<laughs> Everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of your favorite podcast, <laughs> Big Drunk List, the podcast that you participate in Ooh. by drinking along. As always, I am your favorite host, Greg Voths from the wonderful city of Chicago. And, and I am your always. I'm your least favorite host, Ryan Fawkes from the terrible city of Bloomington, Illinois. <laughs> well, before we get in, um, Ryan, why don't you tell the lovely folks at home and the not lovely ones, I won't leave our ugly fans out of this, um, why don't you say what you uh, are drinking today? Yeah, I actually, I prefer the ugly fans. Actually, I prefer the ugly and fat fans. Um, and so for our ugly fat fans, um, I feel ya. I am also ugly and fat. And so to try to conquer that today, I am drinking a very healthy drink. Um, so I'm having Tito's Vodka. Mixed with strawberry, banana, crystal light packets. So uh, it tastes like something that um, my grandmother would probably make in a drink, but it's actually got a pretty good sweet. And I mean, basically, you could drink this all day, and I guess it'd probably be good for like uh, Weight Watchers. So that's cool. <laughs> I would like to say this uh, you have uh, essentially just made adult jungle juice. Just vodka and flavor packets. Yeah, well, and it's really fucking good, too, actually. I mean, it's I, I would probably drink this, um, you know, all the time, but I don't think I'd feel comfortable ordering it at a, at a restaurant or a bar. You know, like, uh, hey, do you got a vodka back there? Well, you know, yeah, of course we do. You got, you got any crystal light packets? Like, I guess I could carry some around with me. Like No need to continue. Like, I in know. my pocket, yeah. <laughs> I got you. Oh, fuck. How about you, Greg? What are you drinking today? Um, I'm drinking Noah's Mill. It's a uh, bourbon that's phenomenal. One of my favorites. Uh, Just absolutely really, really good. So smooth. Some like almost like hints of vanilla. I I absolutely, absolutely love it. I like vanilla. I like whiskey. I sounds very great. We have a really fun episode today. We're uh, we're going to be doing uh, a certain type of show. Uh, Ryan, what type of show are we going to be doing? Uh, midget horse pornography. It's kind of like a donkey show, but a little hotter. Mm-hmm. Get it? Much. A much little hotter. hotter. Oh, you got him. Got I em. didn't even mean for that pun, but it worked so well that I had uh, to run with it. I actually, I think that, uh, most of your jokes are, are related to midget horse porn. So I think you have thought of that pun. Before. Only, only my jokes. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing I have. I'm a one trick pony. If you will. <laughs> Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Before anyway, bingeable shows, <laughs> binge-worthy TV shows. Yes. Um. And actually, Greg and I were talking. We were talking shortly before this, and I think we had slightly different definitions when we were putting our list together. So, um, when I think of binge-worthy shows, um, I have a couple of different things that that might mean. One, I like a show with a lot of episodes. Something that I can sit down. Um, and have a go-to for a whole weekend or maybe even a couple of weeks, you know, after work or during work because I work from home now um, or whatever, when I'm on the toilet, all those kind of things. Or I like something um, that even if it's not that long, man, you're at the edge of your seat the whole time. You just don't want to turn it off. You got to work the next day, but it's like 3.30 in the morning because you just got to see what happens in the next episode. Mine is pretty much that. I believe that binge-worthy shows are just the ones that you want to watch in one sitting. And most of these on my list were like all watched within two or three sittings based on the length of them. 
um, with the exception of a few that I was watching as they were coming out. I guess with that, we can jump right on in. Uh, Ryan, why don't you um, uh, give us uh, number 10? Is it going to be Clippy? <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. I don't know. You, you will not. You've said a lot of stupid shit across our, you know, what, 19 episodes. But Clippy, I think uh, I, I, I'm not going to get to win ever again. Um, oh, no. Last week, we talked about how the, the reason kids are going through puberty is because they didn't eat enough Reese's Puffs. Um, and Clippy is still the stupidest, most ridiculous thing that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, my I, number 10. I actually went to the animal shelter to see if they had any uh, anthropomorphic <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, paper clips Greg. I could adopt. Why then, are you still giving me shit for something several <laughs> weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> but then I had to go and realize I had to re-sign my lease. And it said oh right there, God. no pets, including <laughs> oh large dogs, God. cats. And or paper paper clips. clips. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how helpful they are when drafting a resume. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, fuck. I could use that little son of a bitch right now. Oh, my God. Can I take up my fucking number 10 here, Greg? Maybe the reason that you're still unemployed is because Clippy isn't a thing anymore. That's got to be it. I'll I'll have to tell my friend who actually uh, worked over my resume. Just, you're not as good as Clippy. Right. (laughs) If I had Clippy as a wingman, this shit would be sealed, bro. <laughs> this is some fine Clippy work, I have to say. <laughs> we need you on board. Double the pay. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck me. Can I give my number 10, or are we just going to give me shit for the next 45 Thanks, minutes? everyone, for uh, tuning <laughs> right. in. See you next week. <laughs> Community. Community is my number 10. Fuck you. Oh. Um <laughs> Community, I think, fits more into my first category. This is one with a lot of episodes, and they're all great. And I will say the reason is number 10 and maybe not higher on my list is the show does go a little downhill at one point. Um, but this is a great one that had six seasons. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I, I think it was originally on TV, maybe on NBC and then got canceled and picked back up for a web series. Maybe it was, I don't think it was Netflix. Maybe it might even have been. I think Yahoo. it was Yahoo. Yeah, Yahoo. Like something really random like that in the streaming world. Picked it back up at the end. But I think we've talked about this at least in, in at least one other episodes. But um, this was a comedy series um, created by Dan Harmon. Um, like I said, it was six seasons. And this was just uh, it basically the premise was this guy, uh, Joel McHale, was a successful, um, albeit kind of sketchy lawyer. Um, who turns out that he didn't have a real college degree. So he had to go back to school and he's going back to this community college in his local town. And, and that's kind of the basic premise. And he starts meeting with some people for like a Spanish study group, which was just a facade to try to get with some girl in his Spanish class that he wanted to fuck. Um, then actual people show up to this thing and they, as they grow through the show, this, this group becomes like the, the, the main characters and the and like the main group of friends throughout the show. And they all have very different, cool personalities. So like Joe McHale's character is kind of a cocky, arrogant, um, Greg Voss like character. <laughs> and then, and then you know you've got Childish Gambino, of course, um, who is like the cool um, was like a great high school football player. 
kind of the cool guy. Uh, you got Abed, who was kind of uh, um, a little on the spectrum, kind of goofy, was very um, well uh, versed in like movie quotes um, and even kind of just saw the world as like a TV show or a movie. Anyway, there's a lot of cool variety in the cast. Um, the writing for the most part was great. There was a lot of variety in different kinds of episodes. Um, and, and I thought it was very cast very, very well. So this is one, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a lot of great episodes and there's a cool dynamic between the characters. Um, towards the end, it may be not be as good, but because there's a lot of episodes, you can kind of hold on. It's going to last you for a while. So I think this one is absolutely binge worthy. I really like Community. Um, it definitely does go downhill, and it was one of those shows um, where they started losing main cast characters throughout, mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's one of the reasons why I just it wouldn't make it on my list. So, what is on your list, Greg? What's your number ten? The Mandalorian. Oh, okay. Now, this one is uh, one of my newer ones. I mean, there's several that are are newer on my list, but. The Mandalorian came out in 2019, and what it's about is a bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe. It was actually created by Jon Favreau. Phenomenal. Jon Favreau's phenomenal. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but it's set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi and 25 years prior to the events of The Force Awakens. Um, it follows basically a bounty hunter named Din Djarin and basically him dealing with what people call baby Yoda. It's a baby alien of Yoda species. And they released it one episode every week, uh, which is kind of a, a newer trending thing for these larger streaming services to do. Cause Disney plus is like massive. And I think it was like, it was one of the first um, original shows on Disney plus, And it was, it's yeah. very, very good. A few things about what you said. Um, dude, you're right. First of all, Disney Plus is blowing up. And in fact, uh, I bought some Disney stocks shortly before uh, Disney Plus was announced and, and really started coming out. And it blew up. And now I'm rich. So I might quit our podcast. But nice. Yes. Very nice. Um, John Favreau is phenomenal and is actually the reason that I gave that show a shot at all, because I'm not a huge I've talked about. But we well, we both kind of talked about this in the unpopular opinions episode. Um, we both thought yeah. Star Wars in general was not living up to the hype. Well, I, I may even have liked it a little less than that. I just thought it was OK. But I still wanted to give this a shot, even though that's not really my world, because I think John Favreau's awesome. He's been involved. I think we've even talked about him before. Um, in a lot of the Marvel movies, for example, yes. um, he's got great acting credits, producing credits, directing credits, um, you know, and he's the creator of this Mandalorian. Um, I, I actually liked what I've seen so far, and I will say I haven't seen all of it. Um, I started it and then I think I got distracted, but um, even I enjoyed it not being a big Star Wars fan. So, I mean, the action was good. I didn't feel like I had to be deep in the story to pick it up and follow along, right? Yeah. Um, I, I also recommend it, even not being a Star Wars guy. Um, I, I think that's a great, great one. Take a drink, everyone. All right. Take a big drink. Cause fuck and then crap. we're going to go on to – we'll go on to Ryan's quote-unquote <laughs> number nine. You say quote-unquote number nine like it's not my number nine. Like I guess if you said quote-unquote good – Number nine, but you say quote unquote number nine, like I'm going to now actually read my number seven and call it my number nine, which I'm not going to do. My number nine also takes <laughs> place in the Star Wars universe, the good place. Wait, no. what? <laughs> <laughs> no relation to Star Wars at all. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, The Good Place. Um, the Good Place, this is actually uh, one of the newer-ish ones on my list, too, because um, The Good Place just wrapped up at the beginning of this year. I think there were three seasons total, and this is a show by Michael Shore, who makes some great shows. I mean, Michael Shore was directly responsible for the creation of The Office, Parks and Rec, um, some, some of the We talked the- about him on our favorite minor characters. Oh, I yeah, because he, he played, played Moe's. Moe's Shrewd, yes. <laughs> He's responsible for some of the, the best uh, TV shows. Uh, definitely in TV history, but um, the good place is, is no exception. This is a great, great show. And basically I think we've even talked about this maybe once before, but the show is uh, premised on the idea that there are uh, four, four humans that died um, and would have gone to hell, um, which they call the bad place. But as a way to torture them, they, uh, a demon named Michael created, um, a fake good place, so a fake heaven, and convince these four that that's where they went. Um, and these four are not particularly bad people. We learn later on the series that maybe the the system is a little bit corrupt, but um, that's the basic premise. So they come into the afterlife um, thinking that they're they're in the good place, but that's all schemed to. And and by the way, I think I said this before. Michael, um, this demon, is played by Ted Danson. So fuck yeah, Ted Danson's awesome. Um, Kristen amazing, Bell amazing actor, also plays yeah. the main character in here. Um, very, very cool. Uh, but this is another one that is so exciting. There's a good uh, amount of twists. Like, you don't know off the bat that the good place is the bad place. Um, so you just think that it's like, uh, heaven doesn't seem that great, right? As things start to unfold, you think things maybe just aren't going well. And it gets revealed at the end of the first season that the main character, Kristen Bell, finds out this isn't the good place, it's the bad place. And at the end of the first season, um, Michael resets it. And wipes all their memories. So, you know, it's like the next... And that's how it ends on a cool cliffhanger like that. Like, what's it going to be? And I think that that's a big reason if shows can be considered binge-worthy. Is if, like, at the end of the season, you're like, fuck! Like, I can't wait for this next season. And this is one I watched as it came out. Like, this is one you can watch in its entirety now. But I was watching the show as it was airing. So, like, I literally had to wait months, right? On a cliffhanger like that. Which which is not something our generation typically has to do, it seems like. But if you've not seen this yet, I definitely recommend it. There's a good amount of twists. I mean, the acting, the writing um, is exactly what you would expect from a Michael Shore production. And I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. The, one of the problems with that show, though, is it doesn't make much sense when compared to the movie it's based off of. So The Good Place is a sequel, obviously, to The Good Burger. And I like none of the characters. I think it's are a direct same. sequel. Direct yeah, sequel. The- what do you mean? They perfectly tie it together. <laughs> Oh, can you imagine like instead of at the beginning? So at the beginning, um, Michael, Ted, Ted Danson walks in and says, you know, wake up, Greg. Welcome to the good place. Can you imagine if it's just fucking Kel coming in? Welcome to the good place. Home of the good place. Come on, open your eyes now. You know, some shit like that. Like I would have fucking loved that shit. <laughs> I'm a demon. He's a demon. She's a demon. Cause we're all demons. Hey. Oh my god, that was a riot. <laughs> For those who don't know, the Good Burger was originally a, an all that sketch. Uh, we talked about all that on a previous episode. And uh, <laughs> they made a movie on it, and the movie's ridiculous, and I love it. Oh, so good. Okay, how about you, Greg? What do you got? Future Man. Great, great, great one. Almost made my list. Amazing, amazing show. It's one of those that they actually ended it well. It's only yes. three seasons long. All of them are on Hulu Plus. Hulu original, Hulu. actually. 
this one was. Yeah, it's a Hulu original. It stars Josh Hutchinson and Ed Begley Jr. and even Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> um, but two of the best characters. Uh, one of them actually made my list of favorite TV show characters. Eliza Coop and Derek Wilson as Tiger and Wolf. Phenomenal. The- <laughs> oh, they're, they're so amazing. But the premise of the show is this kid is just like a gaming addict. He lives at home with his parents. Uh, he's a janitor at a like a medical laboratory. And he's addicted to this game that never really sold well. And is considered almost impossible to beat. And eventually he beats it. And it turns out it's a training simulator for the future for basically a war going on between people and like bios or something like that. Yeah, bios. And basically these badass warriors from the future come back to our time and they are just fish out of water. Um, Imagine if Terminator 2 was a comedy. That's kind of what it is. They just immediately jumping to... Why don't we just rip his spine out of his back? I mean, come on. He doesn't look very tough. Just because the guy wouldn't, like, sell him a second pickle or something like that. (laughs) They just get super violent, super aggressive. But it's just really funny. It's a very silly show. Like, at one point, they try to kiss. And, oh, you never go rat hole to rat hole. Because that's the (laughs) hole you shoved rats in. But it's a very, very funny show with a very kind of cool... Uh, plot and they do a lot of time travel and they actually do they do time travel well I actually talked about in the last episode how Mm -hmm. time travel is kind of a catch-all that ruins things Mm -hmm. but this is a more of a every time you time travel you fuck it up so don't time travel and so it's like if you can't use it as a solution because the moment you do it you've already fucked it up and they keep on fucking up at time and time and time again what I really appreciated before you move on from the time travel piece that they didn't just use that to continue to extend the series. Cause I feel like in a world like that where time travel exists, you can reset it and keep it going, but they did it. Like you said, they ended it very appropriately um, without in lengthening it longer than it needed to be. Ryan, why don't we move on to your unquote eight quote, Mm-mm-mm. the end of the fucking world. Now, I don't know if you watch this at all. I don't think that this one was heard of it. Super big. I, it was a um, a British show, actually, and it was definitely a dark comedy drama style. It was on Netflix. That's where I saw it. And actually, so Netflix, Netflix didn't create this show, but they um, they picked up the distribution rights. It was it was originally a British show. Um, and so it was on Netflix and that's where I saw it. But basically it follows a couple of young kids. Um, so a kid named James. Um, and basically he thinks he's a psychopath because he doesn't feel um, like any emotion ever towards anything. Um, and then another young girl named Alyssa, um, who's kind of like the, um, you know, rebellious kind of snotty teenager type um, who doesn't have a very good home life. Um, and then there's, there's a lot of other, um, characters too, but they're kind of the main characters. Um, and, and so it kind of follows them. They end up kind of, uh, getting together, liking each other, even though he'd never, you know, really feels for anybody. He, in fact, he thinks he's a psychopath because like as a kid, um, he had no problem like killing animals, 
Um, and, and he mm. finds this girl who's kind of like damaged in life um, and he thinks he maybe kind of falls for her. She kind of likes him too. They kind of get together and they decide to basically run away from home. Um, and that's when shit starts happening. I, it's really hard to describe if you've never seen the show before. Um, but this, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect combination of very dark. I mean, it's very dark at times. Um, but there's also some comedy element to it. This one was only two seasons. Um, and I think it wrapped up perfectly and it gets even darker in the next season too. So I, I highly recommend this if you're a big fan of like dark, um, kind of comedy dramas, because mm. I thought this was just a phenomenal, phenomenal series. Now, now that I looked it up, I, I do remember seeing it on here. Watch it. It's only a couple of seasons. Be prepared. Like I said, it gets kind of dark at times um, on shit that you, that you might not expect, but it's a good one. I mean, it goes a little bit into his uh, neurotic tendencies, you know, and you kind of get to see um, nature versus nurture kind of in her world too, you know? So it's, it's, it's very well cast, especially because there are a couple of young kids. Whippersnappers. Um, they're whippersnappers. I mean, they're probably 16, 17 years old. Um, in the show, but also in real life, you know, sometimes you'll have kids being played by like fucking 30 year olds, you know, but like, they're actually like, they were actually kids, kids. Um, and I thought that this, they did a great, great job with this show. So I would highly recommend it. Nice. Um, my number eight is mind hunter. Ooh. It's a Netflix original based on the true crime book. Mind hunter inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit written by John Douglas and Markle shaker. It is about the start of the psychological profiling unit in the FBI. So basically before this, and this is a real story, so uh, I want to say John Douglas was the guy. In real life, the FBI had no way of profiling serial killers. They just viewed them like they were psychos. There was no way you could get in their minds. You just, you just couldn't. And then he kind of came along and was like, wait, no, you can profile. It turns out they have patterns and things like this. I try to read the book. The book is very kind of like toot my own horn type of thing because he did do very, very impressive things. But by him writing in, it's also like, yeah, so then this is what I did. And it was pretty awesome. It's like, all right, okay, dude. Like, I can tell it's awesome. You don't need to say explicitly that it was awesome. Like if Greg wrote a book and then made a show on it, it'd just be bragging on how great Greg was. <laughs> well, the book would be. But the show, the show is 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 loosely based on it. Like they're different people, but a lot of the a lot of the things, like the actual serial killers, are real. They're based on real people. The guy who plays Ed Kemper is amazing. He does such a good job because it, uh, in real life, a lot of these like serial killers, especially Ed Kemper, he was supposed to be a very like kind of pleasant to get along with, and like people kind of liked him. He just seemed off, and that but he was like a serial killer, uh, known as the co-ed killer. Well, he was a very large guy. He was like six, he was six nine, very smart. And the guy who plays him is is super, super good. But he does like a really good job of being like creepy, where he like will casually be like talking about like getting pizza while like fucking a skull. Like it's super, super weird and dark, but it's so, so good. They only had two seasons of it so far. Um, the third would have come out this year but as of january it's on indefinite hold i've not seen it at all um i do know that it's very popular because i've had a lot of people recommend it even to me to watch um that's not really my style of show is those crime dramas but what i have been really into is like uh um real crime like documentary miniseries you know how they'll Mm. do like like those kind of things that is like using real footage and 
interviews and stuff. Why don't we take a drink and move on to Ryan's number six plus one. I don't know if there's a number higher Four. than six. Four. So oh, wait. Yeah, that's it. Seven. Okay. Sorry. Yay. I had to get my calculator app out. Yeah. So, <laughs> the so one that looks like a fucked seven. up L. It's actually just a, an electronic abacus, to be honest. I don't, I don't <laughs> like the, cal, cal, the calculator app that's built into iOS, so I downloaded it one. Uh, my number seven is Shameless. And what this is actually the first of three on my list that are American remakes of another country's show. So um, what's cool about this one, Shameless, is um, well, I'll give a little background first. So this was... Mm-hmm. Um, about a family, um, a kind of a, a poorish family living on the south side of Chicago, um, and then Technically. dealing. Well, in the show, they're from the south side of Chicago, and I know we've had this the, conversation before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. The Go address ahead. is on the west side of Chicago, so I mean, why they couldn't have just gotten an actual south side address is beyond fucking me, but. Please Nobody else except for Greg and the other proud Chicagans probably even recognize that. But. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's really like a Chicago like thing that we like we yeah. all kind of know. But it's also like weird that it's just like it's such an easy thing to like fact check and get right that it makes no sense for them to do it. You know, the one that bothers me actually probably similar is I play the guitar. And when you have somebody that clearly does not know how to play the guitar, but they're faking it on a show, that shit pisses me off. Like when they're just holding a guitar and they look so awkward when doing so, I'm like, you don't even, you couldn't even like look up one lesson to make it look like you kind of know how to play the guitar. Like, so I guess I feel that same passion. Like just do a little extra research to make it more convincing. Right. Uh, Anyone playing any video game in any show, anytime ever where they just, it just, we'll just smash the fucking I know, and they're, like, turning the controller all the fucking time and shit. Even They'll be playing, like, Mortal Kombat, you know. Or if they have the wrong controller for the console that they're playing, like, they're playing a Halo game with a PlayStation controller. Halo was never released on the PlayStation. Like, fuck you guys. (laughs) There was one show, it was on Nickelodeon, I forgot what it was about, what show it was, but they were playing together, and two had N64 controllers and two had PlayStation controllers. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, so Shameless is what we were talking (laughs) about. (laughs) bit of a Um, tangent i know which i will say though i mean a good chunk of it was filmed in chicago though so even though the address was wrong i mean at least they did a good portion of the not all of it but a good portion of the filming was in chicago um this is this is a drama series and actually it's a showtime original um and it was showtime's longest running original series um so they got credit for that and i just the characters were great i mean there was a good balance of um, strong female character who personally, I didn't, I didn't like her very much, but I think she, she was a good character. She was a strong character, people. strong yeah. female. Wow. That's why I didn't like her, Greg. <laughs> um, you have, uh, William H. Macy who plays like the father of the family and he's like a drunk, uh, druggy piece of shit. Um, but he, you know, usually pulls through when he needs there to be there for the good times. Um, you know, and it's really just about mm. this this family who's not well off, kind of navigating their ups and downs. You've got a one of the brothers is um, he's gay, and he the guy that he loves is an openly gay, um, and he's kind of an asshole actually about it. So like he'll he'll pick a fight. His name, that's Ian and Mickey, who actually it turns out to be a great great romance in the show. And mm. if you follow it along, um, even though it starts out pretty rough and pretty rocky because he doesn't want to admit that he's gay. Um, so that's a, that's a nice romance. I don't know the, the show in general, it's nice and long. Like I said, in fact, they just were renewed for their 
final season, which would be their 11th season, um, which is currently on hold because of COVID-19 reasons. So they're not able to, to film it. Um, that was just the beginning of this year that it was renewed. So uh, there's another season coming out to wrap it up. This is another one where one of the main characters has left the show. Um, but what's so cool about these shows that are this long is that you kind of get to watch the characters grow up. So if you go and you mm. watch like at the beginning, cause it's, it's all the same cast that plays in the family. Like they didn't swap out any characters at all. So when you're watching from season one, you know, like um, you got the oldest sister who kind of takes care of everybody. She's like probably 23. She's the one who ends up leaving the show in like season nine or 10. Um, but then you've mm. got boy, you know, the, the boys that are a little younger, they're probably like, you know, high school-ish, 14, 15. You got a younger girl who's like 12, and then you got kids. Well, by the time you get 11 years later, right into the season, it's like the young kid, the baby who was in diapers, is like up walking around talking, and he has his own story arcs too. You know, it's the same character that plays him. So it's really fucking cool oh, wow. to watch, like that you can start with um, these young kids, you know, and watch them grow up on the screen too. And this was an adaptation of a British uh, British show called Shameless. And, and, Unlike a lot of times American TV comes in and ruins shit because they change it. I, I don't think they typically ruin it, but like for somebody who maybe appreciates um, the British style of TV shows, because they do have different types of comedy, you know, in shows that in yeah. England as they do here. Um, this is almost um, closely following. I mean, they have a lot of the same character names and kind of a similar story. Obviously there's an American twist on things. It's in Chicago and things like that, but they did a really good job of sticking um, mostly, or at least in, in, in strong ways, to the original story, which is a really cool. They kind of just readapted it and put it into a different city, um, but under kind of very similar circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to to really add. I've seen several episodes of it. Um, I've liked what I've seen. Uh, I know that it's in Chicago, so yeah, I probably should watch it. But it just it seems like I have to be in a right mood to actually sit down and watch it because it's it's it is kind of dark and kind of like funny at the same time but it's also a very daunting task to go in and you know watch 11 seasons of something oh yeah my number seven though another netflix original there's a lot of streaming service originals on my list i think oh yeah kind of because streaming services is what made binging really possible otherwise you'd have to go and like buy all the seasons or maybe rent them from your library or your Mm-hmm. <laughs> your blockbuster so um mine is the witcher oh based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski he's Polish I don't know how to pronounce the first name the book series is way more well known for the video game series that it spawned by CD Projekt Red an amazing amazing game series i'm currently on number three right now i own the first two but i never played them because three had come out and i'm like oh i want to play the first two and the first one has really really bad controls it's an older game um and then it just fell to the wayside and there was a sale recently and they had the third one and the third one's amazing but anyway i digress uh the netflix show stars henry cavill uh who was superman on the most recent justice league stuff and he was selected out of more than 200 actors. And he really wanted to play it because he's actually a very big gamer. He's a big PC gamer since he was a kid. In fact, he missed the original call to play Superman because he was too busy playing World of Warcraft. No, that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he credits his experience playing the Witcher video game series um, as his motivation to actually seek out the role of Geralt. 
Um, he is a massive video game nerd. There's actually a meme right now where uh, he was getting interviewed by a kid, and the kid's like, uh, PlayStation or Xbox? And he, like, looks insulted, and he's like, he's like, PC. He's a big, like, World of Warcraft video gamer. He's, like, a huge nerd, which is, like, I kind of like it because gamers, we kind of get, like, stereotyped as he's, like, weak, nerdy, or really, like, like hefty people, and it's just like, no, dude, the guy who plays Superman, who's like freaking jacked, is a big World of Warcraft gamer. So it's uh, it's kind of funny. Um, but Witcher is about a guy who is a mutant, um, and he hunts monsters, and he, he he carries two swords, a steel and a silver. Steels for killing people, silvers for killing monsters. And a lot of times, humans are worse because humans all treat him like shit. It kind of takes place, you know, it's a it's a magic you know, magic and dragons type of world, but it's very dark, very gritty. And in those types of worlds, people don't trust magic. If it like took place in real life in the middle ages, they would not trust him. And so him being a mutant, people treat him like shit until they need him. In which case, then they sing his praises because we have a monster problem. Um, but it's a very, very cool series. Very gritty, very badass. If you want to see what you're getting a taste for search the battle of blaviken b-l-a-v-i-k-a-n google will correct it for you <laughs> thank god for google yeah <laughs> that's a battle in the first episode and my god is it oh it's so awesome so awesome i've not watched it yet i've not seen any what? of it yet i i didn't play the games either though so for me it wasn't um super exciting but i think i will i'll take your recommendation on it do you think without i'm sure i mean i'm sure without the game without the books 100%. i could jump right in right so i don't it's, think it'd be a problem it, it all takes place from the beginning in fact um i don't even think in the books i think it even like predates some of the books you know what why don't we take a drink and go on to my number six Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. So this is also a Netflix original. The OA. What? You never the, saw this. Is Good. The, the Ozarks? No, 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 no. Ozark is different. So this is the OA. Um, the OA was an American mystery drama series with science fiction, supernatural, and fantasy elements. Um, this show was originally intended to be five parts long. Um, but only aired two parts before being canceled, unfortunately. And actually, there was a huge gap in time, or at least it felt like a huge gap in time to me before the second part came out after the first part. Mm. But this show was was weird. So basically, um, it follows this, this character, this girl um, played by Britton Marlene, who was missing. She was kidnapped, basically, and had been missing for seven years. Um, when she comes back... She refers to herself no longer by her name, which is Prairie, but as the OA. Um, and even and before she was kidnapped, she was blind from a car accident or something or a bus accident. Um, but when she came back, for some reason, she's able to see now. Um, and as they kind of go through season one, they start to reveal what happened to her. She was like locked up um, in this basement, in this glass box um, with uh, more more people, other people. Um, who were kind of kidnapped and taken for the same way. And what they find well, is... Well, don't spoil it. 
Oh, I know. See, I'm having a hard time. I don't want to give too much away because it's really great working. But anyway, there's a cool supernatural element to it. And these people are connected in some way. So I'll give you that. Um, and, and the reason that they were all kidnapped is because they were connected in some way. And the person who took them had intentions. But what's really neat about this um, is because of some of the supernatural and almost like a multi-universal um, tendencies is um, they had opportunity to explore like different worlds with the same characters, but it made sense in the plot line of the show um, because they could do that. It didn't seem crazy. So like when part two came out, um, it had a very different feel to part one. Like it was still very dark um, mystery drama style, but it almost felt like it didn't take place in the same world uh, because they were able to do that in this different way. But there was very intentional references to different parts in season one that you may not have caught on your initial watch. Um, several. So, I mean, the creators did a great, great job. This intended to be five parts, like I said, on purpose that would all weave together for this big elaborate story that they had planned. And so they left the end of part two on this big cliffhanger with the intention of coming back in for season three. And then it got canceled. So like, we're never going to get it. And it sucks so bad because it had such like positive reviews, like even on rotten tomatoes, part one, uh, averaged 77% positive and part two, 92%. Oh, wow. So it was very, very popular. Uh, but unfortunately didn't come back. And just in general, I mean, the directing, the visuals, the acting, I mean, I thought it was phenomenal. One of the best shows I saw, I was so excited after season one. Um, and like I said, it felt like forever. It's probably about a year over a year before part two came out. Um, and then they ended after part two, which was another very, very, very strong one. So this is one of those shows that, um, watch it because you'll love it, but you'll be disappointed. You wish that it would keep going. And maybe, who knows, maybe they'll pick it up again someday. Um, but for, for the time being, it ended and it didn't end on a good note because they intended to keep going. And I loved it and I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm looking online right now and there was a very large fan response for the cancellation. In fact, someone went so far as to do a hunger strike outside of Netflix's L.A. headquarters. No way. Wow. Um, and she was visited by Batman. Uh, just kidding. She got visited by Marling and Batman Glage. But it, the first six letters literally spelled Batman in this guy's last name. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. But they're the uh, co-creators and executive producers of the show. So that's mm-hmm. <laughs> really cool. But that's a fucking awesome last name. I would be like. It's yeah, Batman like, Glee, right? Is what Batman it looks like. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> um, I don't fully know, but I would be like, no, it's it's Batman Glitch. Like I would just like I would I would lean hardcore. Batman is one of the coolest characters in all of like everything for those who don't know he's a man who dresses like a bat and that's it he doesn't really have anything else but it's really good (laughs) Um, i'll check that show out though but actually i probably won't because i don't know if i really want to end on a cliffhanger without any (sighs) yeah i don't know i get that oh we'll go on to mine my number six please please do the umbrella academy Great, great, great show. Great show. So The Umbrella Academy is a Netflix original based on the comics of the same name, uh, which were written by Gerard Way. Um, It aired in 2019, and uh, the second season recently came out. And I was very happy just because, you know, we don't really get much coming out right now during the the quarantine. Um, It was apparently the third most popular TV series on Netflix in 2019. Now, uh, the actual plot of it is about around the world, 
there were at a, at a certain date, I think it was like supposed to be like 1989, uh, a bunch of women simultaneously gave birth. Like they they didn't have they weren't pregnant beforehand. Um, they didn't have any signs that they were pregnant, and they just they just gave birth at once. They just immediately grew and then had kids. A millionaire, an eccentric millionaire, went around and collected like seven of them. And it turns out that all of them, with the exception of one, had superpowers. And they, he raised them to be like a superhero team. And one of them is super strong. One of them can control projectiles with his mind. Another one can uh, say something, and that thing will happen. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, they, they have a bunch of them. One of them can teleport and time travel. And basically what happens is... The dad dies, and the dad was an asshole, a horrible human being, and they, their mom's still alive, and they had a monkey butler because uh, the dad was rich and did science experience, uh, experiments, and so had this monkey butler, and uh, they all come back for the dad's funeral. One of them had already died. I want to say suicide or something like that. I They do talk. It wasn't suicide. He died during a a mission that they were on because Uh, there's a point where he's very disappointed that they allowed him to die. Ah, okay. So he's dead, but one of them could still talk to him. And um, all of a sudden, one of them who ran away as a kid, he was the one who could teleport and time travel. He comes back and he's a kid. Now, what had happened was he went to the future, went and found like a post-apocalyptic scenario and then lived slowly losing his mind and falling in love with a mannequin for like years. And then he became jumps back in time to try to stop the apocalypse. That's kind of how the, uh, uh, the show is as they're all trying to prevent the apocalypse, but they're a very, very dysfunctional family, but it's very funny. Wow. There's so much to say about the umbrella Academy. Cause I'm a huge, huge fan. And I just finished season two as well just recently. And if you haven't watched them yet, do, even if you're not a big comic book, superhero kind of guy, this is a great, great series to watch. Yeah. Um, yes. And actually it makes me interested in reading the comics. So you, you said it was created by Gerard way. Well, he's the one who wrote the comic series also um, from my chemical romance, the band who just got back together this year <laughs> as well. Yes. Yeah. For, for any big fans of MCR. So uh, <laughs> um, multi-talented there, but yeah, I, I, I loved this show um, season two, the end of it definitely left it in a way that they could easily take it and move forward into another season. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, there's been a lot of um, liberties given to the people producing the TV show because I've, I've done some research to try to see with this, how closely does it follow the comic book series? Um, Not terribly. Apparently, apparently they're charting into some waters that haven't even been specifically covered um, in this series, which is very, very cool. So they take a lot of inspiration. There's some plot lines and stuff that they take from, um, but they've been given some liberties as well to kind of take it and go with it. And I think that they've done a great job, even not reading the comic. I'm excited to, and I'd like to, um, but I'm a big, big fan of the show. Yes. That's a great one. Very binge worthy. Very, very binge worthy. Ryan, I really think we should move on to your number five, but before we do that, why don't we take a little bit of a drink? Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Greg, I already know that you haven't seen this because I brought it up in a previous episode. Um, supernatural. That doesn't sound super or natural. Oh, it's not natural at all, but it sure is super. Ooh-wee. Ooh. So anyway, Supernatural, this is a CW original, actually, and I 
think it's still going. Um, maybe 11 or 12 seasons and it's ongoing, but I, I think it's slowly getting ready to, to wrap up. In fact, I think that a um, couple of the main stars. So the, this, this stars Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles, who some of our older um, listeners may remember Jensen Ackles as Eric Brady from Days of Our Lives. And even some of our not older ones, like my beautiful mother who will be listening, will definitely remember him from Days of Our Lives. Um, play, And they, they play a couple of brothers who are basically monster hunters. Um, so they hunt demons, ghosts, um, vampires, any of the monsters that you can think of. Um, and it gets better and better, and it progresses a great storyline as it goes. But from from the get, beginning, this one maybe comes across as a little cheesy. So for anybody who tried to start this show, gave up after the first half of the first season, I feel ya. It was kind of cheesy. Um, I think they didn't know if they were going to get picked up and if they were going to roll, but it got much, much better after that because they really started to kind of progress the storyline. So um, basically, there's all kinds of cool... Um, monster hunting, but also there's a great elaborate storyline in the background. So originally, um, they're kind of looking for their dad, um, who raised them and was a monster hunter the whole time. Their mom was killed very young. Their mom ends up coming back because, you know, when you can traverse into hell and heaven uh, willy nilly, it doesn't really matter on the show. Um, they team <laughs> up with this angel at one point who becomes a recurring character on the show to kind of help them fight, and he loses his powers as an angel along the way. Um, it's just really, really cool if you're into some of the supernatural stuff because they do all of it. I mean, there's werewolves, um, there are angels, demons, ghosts, um, and, and, and there's kind of like you learn through this show the routines of how to fight each of these monsters, right? For example, like um, demons and ghosts can't get past um, a line of salt, <laughs> for example, in this show. So like you can... That's a real thing. Well, yeah, and, and, and I will say this. They drew a ton of inspiration from, like, the classics, right? Like, if you look at the way that they introduce certain yeah. characters, um, a lot of inspiration from the classics, a lot of references original, but um, things like that. So, like, if you draw a line in salt, so that becomes a recurring way um, to fight or trap demons, for example, throughout the series, right? So that's really consistent. I feel like I could be a monster hunter after watching this. Um, but the characters are so kind of different. They're really cool. So Jensen Ackles, um, Dean Winchester is kind of the cool guy, right? He drives a cool classic car. Um, women like to throw themselves at him. You know, he's kind of got the gruff voice, you know, and he's just a good looking guy. Very cool leather jacket kind of guy. Um, and then Sam, uh, Jared Padalecki is kind of the nerdy, smarter guy. He was like in college, you know, like to do something really nerdy, like molecular biology or some shit like that before he got pulled out and had to do something like this. So they're very opposites, but they're brothers, you know, and they're like fighting together um, to try to find their dad is how it starts. But then it just becomes and it turns into this thing where now they're just continuously responsible for saving the world. Um, God shows up at one point and that's a really cool dynamic when you get to see God in this universe. So, um, it just tackles all genres, like all, not all genres of, of show, but like all different areas of the supernatural. And they do a really, really good job. It's been on for a very long time. Um, the acting starts out a little cheesy, but it gets very, very good. Um, and I highly re recommend this. This is also one, um, that if you're interested in the storyline, um, It'll keep you on your toes and you'll be very excited. But they also throw in every so often episodes that don't advance the storyline in any way, just like filler episodes. And they're usually fun, you know, or like they're full of killing or whatever. Um, 
But this is, I even think it might have been at one time the longest running live action TV show. And I could be wrong on that. Um, but they had had some award in, in that way um, that they had they had made some record. But I think it's still ongoing. Great, great show. If you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure all of it's on Netflix now um, up to the, the most recently aired season. So if you haven't showed it, at least give it a few seasons. And I think you'll you'll absolutely like it. And you won't be able to put it down till you finish the series. Huh. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before. I'm sure I can find it somewhere. Uh, this is the time to do some binging, and I have a bunch of Absolutely. other shows on my list. Um, but, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. It's a good one. Like I said, you you got to be ready to commit because I'll be honest with you, at first it's very cheesy, but you can tell. A lot of shows are like that, right? They don't have a huge budget right off the bat. Um, they, they don't even know if it's necessarily going to get picked up just from the pilot. Cause you know, typically when you're creating a show, you have a pilot episode that gets it picked up by a production company. And then even the first few episodes of the first season is kind of a test, like an audience test to see like, do people even resonate with this? So, so many shows get canceled after the first season or even before the last episode of the first season, they know they're not going to get renewed for another season. So sometimes you don't put a whole lot into season one but as soon as you get picked up at that point like if viewers can get past your like kind of uh uncomfortable season one it can go all uphill from there and this is a show that meets that example for sure nice mine is the opposite of that my number five is one of the greatest shows of all time breaking bad oh that's on my list too so everybody let's take a drink Ooh, hoo, hoo, double 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 Oh, Breaking Bad. Now, Breaking Bad is one of those shows you can sit down and just love. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it because I think it'd be a lot better to go in. When we hit Ryan's, we've talked about it plenty of times. I think we should. And actually, because a little spoiler, it's actually my number four. So it'd be the very next one I was going to talk about. So maybe we could take another drink right now for that. And let's just talk about it. (laughs) All right. So Breaking Bad is a story about a, a genius high school uh, chemistry teacher. He's not your run-of-the-mill high school teacher. He's like, this guy was kind of one of the founders of what's supposed to be like one of the biggest, I don't know if it's pharmaceutical or research labs. Like this guy is like insanely smart. Like that's not saying that teachers aren't smart. It's just that he is like on another level where when he ma- he starts making meth to um, pay for his cancer treatments, he goes down a little bit of a rabbit hole of crime, just a little bit, and he starts doing what we would call bad things. And he starts breaking bad things. That's the name. Actually, I don't know why it's called Breaking Bad. But he does he does do bad things, and he becomes <laughs> almost like a villain in his own right. And we've talked about it plenty of times, though. I... Uh, we yeah we have we talked about it many times but what I, I I think one of the big things and I like to continue to talk about this what's so great is the character progression in this show so yes. the the main character being played by beautifully by Brian Cranston who prior to this was known as Hal um, the goofy dad from Malcolm in the Middle um, and played that role so well but then comes in and does this and he kind of plays like a Halley type of school teacher in fact the creator of the show Vince Gilligan. Um, characterizes the series as following Walter Weiss transformation from Mr. Chips, um, who was from an old novel as kind of like your, uh, your typical school teacher, beloved school teacher into Scarface. And I think that that's such a good way to describe it, that you're watching this character progression of this man who was kind of your goofy, nerdy school teacher into uh, like a, a drug Lord, like a ruthless villainous. Cause we put him on our villains list, villainous drug Lord. And the character progression is so 
so phenomenal in that way. And when we say drug lord, we mean like someone who is kind of running a drug empire, not uh, a coked out version of the singer. <laughs> yeah, he'll never be royal. Royal. That's a Lord song. That's because <laughs> that's uh, that's actually Randy Marsh. That's Randy Marsh. Oh my god. AKA, uh, he was my number one uh, character. He was. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I loved the character progression in this, and not even just him. I mean, um, Jesse Pinkman. I mean, his his progression. He Aaron Paul played the character. He he started out as just like this kind of losery, you know, like a street kid, you know, who was selling drugs. And um, he kind of comes into his own rights as well, right? I mean, he becomes this very smart. He's growing and learning. um, He got his own spinoff movie. He he did. The movie was really a movie about him. I actually never saw it. Oh, it was good. It was good. It picked up right at the end of the series. Right at the end Uh of it. Um, it starred it him um, as the main character and kind of um, what took place in his life after the series. Phenomenal, phenomenal. He did a great job. But I, I think that that's what it did so well was that character progression on, on all sides. You got to see him grow um, and get smarter and fall in love. And his love was lost for a reason that um, made uh, put Brian Cranston's Walter White on my list as a villain. We talked about that last week. And I um, had the other villain, Gus Spring on mine. Yeah, I yeah, great villains in that show. I, I I think it's great that the the main character became the primary villain of the show too, right? Yes. Like, it, it just gave you a way because you you almost felt for him at first. Like the decisions that this character was making, we talked about it a million times, even though we're only on what episode nineteen, eighteen, whatever. I mean, we've talked about it so many times, but um, you feel for him at first because you know it, it's it's teed up as he's willing to do anything to provide for his family. Right. And so you're like, wow, what very admirable. But then it goes on and he becomes so prideful and egotistical and he he, uh, like enjoys the crime. He gets joy out of it. Um, So you get to watch him make that turn. Like I said, the creator of the show called him, you know, moving from a soft spoken Mr. Chips into Scarface. And he truly does become Scarface by the end of it. Um, Say my name. You know, like he just knows he puts himself on this pedestal. Such great development and he just he just has some of the the most interesting growth where it almost becomes hard to rewatch it uh it's very bingeable for the first time but then the second time it's kind of hard because you're you're a little off put by how different he is when you go back and you're like i now think of him as a drug lord and then you see him as this meager guy who's afraid of even touch a gun it's a very interesting dynamic, but one of the best things about the show is that if you actually watch it uh, for a second time, you'll see like, oh, this poison that he has at one point, he's growing it in the beginning, but it's like an innocuous plant. What almost made my list, and I hope I'm not stepping on your toes at all, was actually the spinoff of the show as well. Um, the prequel it did, spinoff. It did not make mine. Better Call Saul. Um, and better call Saul almost made my list, but I couldn't, I didn't put it on my list cause I felt weird about putting it on my list when I knew for sure I was going to have breaking bad on my list. Um, I didn't put it on, but, um, also very much worth watching all of it. And uh, Greg, I don't think you've seen it all yet. Have you? Better I call have Saul? not. Yeah. And you should, you should. 
Um, wonderful, wonderful spinoff, equally as binge-worthy, because um, that's another one about character development. I mean, it shows um, Saul Goodman's character development from when he is first getting into practicing law, and he's not a bad guy. He's just trying to find his way in life up until he becomes, you know, this this uh, this celebrity lawyer to the, the criminal masterminds in Breaking Bad, which is where he ends up. So that's another one with phenomenal, phenomenal character development. Um, I, I would, I would almost put that one. I almost did anyway, put it on my list for this one. Um, I should have put it on knowing that breaking bad was going to get discussed with you anyway, but that's another one that could easily fall onto this list for sure. I can agree with that. Um, but my number four, stranger things. Phenomenal. Love it. Uh, stranger things is probably the show right now that's still airing where everyone's going to watch it. When season four drops, everyone's going to watch it, uh, whether it comes out during quarantine or not. And you're going to have to step out of the room if you haven't watched it because you don't want to get a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what rock you're living under. Uh, <laughs> and maybe you're one of those people who pride themselves on not having a TV or you just don't like the mainstream. Uh, but Stranger Things is one of the very few shows where they have great kid actors. I think kid actors usually kind of ruin the show. But they're just so freaking good. Created by the Duffer Brothers. It's basically set in the 1980s. And it's inspired by tons of pop culture from the 80s. From Steven Spielberg to Stephen King. Anime and video games are apparently also are inspiring for it. Um, but they're also heavily uh, influenced by the classic Cold War paranoia with all of the what is the government doing? What are the Russians doing? It's so, 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 so good. Uh, and it's about these kids who find a girl who escapes from this government facility and she has special powers. And uh, their friend uh, actually went missing. He went to a place called the Upside Down when he was attacked by a monster. The monsters call the Demigorgon because they're nerds and they like Dungeons and Dragons. The nerd part is like literally like one of their best friends is their science teacher. They're constantly picked on. Um, but these kids are basically trying to like figure out what's going on. It's just so, so, so good. Well acted, well scripted, well right. The special effects are really good. I, I really enjoy Stranger Things. I'm a huge fan. What originally attracted me to it, because I didn't jump on right away, and a lot of people told me to, but what originally attracted me to it is, you know, and I've talked about in these previous episodes, how big of a fan I am of the, like, the 80s horror movies. Um, so having uh. that 80s vibe, and they, they, I mean, they filmed it, obviously, with modern equipment, but they give it that same, like, it almost feels like you're watching um, an 80s movie you know what i mean tv series like they do that on purpose oh, and i love that yes i love that effect they do it they did it on purpose and they did like you said took a great inspiration from that um and this is one i i don't know why i didn't jump on it sooner but everybody who's seen stranger things loves stranger things yes. i mean i i even looked up while you were talking i, I just the rotten tomatoes critiques and and actually it seems to be trending downwards but the first season 97 percent positive review on rotten tomatoes I mean, basically a perfect score, right? 94% for season two and still 89% for season three. 
Um, personally, I like oh, seasons high. two and three just as well. Yeah, I mean, it's trending downwards a little bit, but it's not like it dropped, you know, <laughs> yeah. super significantly. There's still, and, and we've talked about this before, sometimes it's hard to please Rotten Tomatoes. You know, you can yes. have some great shows or great movies that don't do very well, <laughs> you know, for somehow. So I think everybody absolutely agrees. Um, and, and as I was looking this up, I saw that after the third season, Netflix revealed that Stranger Things had broken any viewing record for Netflix with 40.7 million households having watched the show in its first four days. And in those first four days, 18.2 million households had already watched the entire series. So if that doesn't show you how binge worthy wow. it is, that, that within the first four days, 18.2 million households binged it. I mean, that's the definition of binge worthy. In truth, this is kind of the, the show I associate when I think of a binge worthy show. Um, it didn't get as high um, up because of things I'll get into later. But man, it's so, 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 so good. It's one of those shows I sit down and watch. I remember I visited my sister in Florida right after two came out, and I had only gotten through half of the shows, half of the episodes of season two. And that was one of the things like we talked about, like I hadn't seen my sister in several months, but it still comes up because of how good it is. And we just knew the other person was going to watch it. Unfortunately, season two has one really bad episode and even more unfortunate is it takes place in Chicago. Um, it was a very stupid episode that really didn't need to be take like just it added nothing to anything. It was a pretty bad episode. Like the shows that have musical episodes for no reason. Or the nowhere. flashback episode, where that, yeah, which makes no sense in a in in a like a Netflix where they they throw the whole series out at one time. You don't need yeah. to have flashbacks. That's fine if like you're watching the series as it comes out week Not after really. week after week. I still but think that's. I still awful. don't like it either. I still don't like it either. But at least that the, context makes sense. Only one way. show ever did that well, and that was Community, because all of their flashback things. Instead of like um, other shows where they're like, well, I remember that. And you're like, yeah, I remember that. You're just doing a highlight of your funniest mm-hmm. points. In community, it's things that never happened. You never saw it on screen. Right. <laughs> so it was very, very funny. And then one of them, one of, the, like, one of them in the community, they're like, or that time I like smashed my hand and then he smashed his hands. And someone goes, oh, I remember that. And they pat his hand. He goes, that just happened like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even in the episode. <laughs> Yeah, I so yeah, those cheesy flashbacks and they're supposed to be like nostalgic, like people should be like, oh, you know, when they look at it. But it's like, dude, when you watch an entire series over four days, you know, like Mm -hmm. I saw that shit yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, that's not exciting for me to see that now. Yeah, like great friends. I hope I'm not stepping on your toes with friends. You're not. Not at all. Uh, But like friends, when you do it, like I'm sure back in the 90s when you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot about that you know, nine years ago or whatever, when that actually happened, like, damn, that was crazy. I remember that, you know, I haven't seen that episode in forever. Cause I'm just at the whim of whenever they air specific episodes and I have to be like tuning in. Granted, we had TV guides back in the day. And for those who don't know what that was, it was literally a magazine, like little pamphlet type thing that you'd buy at the grocery store. Some people would buy it. Like we, uh, usually to have articles and we buy it based strictly on that, but you'd go through the TV guide and that's how you knew what was coming on that week. Right. Uh, I think ours came with our newspaper. But 
anyway. And later there was a channel that was dedicated just to showing what would be on the TV Guide channel before, like, everything was digital, you know? Yeah, and it would just scroll through and you'd have to like fuck i just missed channel 45 i gotta wait and you again. gotta wait for an hour for it to loop back around right to <laughs> channel 45 and nowadays there's no such thing as airing times like cable still exists right but like you don't wait for things to air we watch it on netflix or hulu and we watch it whenever we want you know that's that's honestly media is changing i don't even and have I'm, cable but my i don't have does. it at all i don't have it at all yeah. And I can literally just say in their remote and it'll tell me the times that like, I'm like, I want to watch this and I'll say it. And it's like, all right, you can't watch it for free. But if you wait till Tuesday at three fifty, that's going to be airing on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Right. Please. Let's move on. Um, we can take a drink and move on to my number three. Whoa. Whoa. Greg, we got special rules about our number threes though. And I, I'd love for you to tell everybody what that is. Thank you for noticing that. Oh, I've listened to our podcast before. <laughs> so I already know the rules, but why don't you explain it for all these new people? Filthy noobs. So as you notice, we've taken a drink between each of our numbers. Now we're going to move on to taking a drink between each one of us talking. Oh, fuck. Every single time we switch over, we take a drink. Also, keep in mind, this is just a drinking podcast. We're not going to dock points if you drink when we don't tell you to. Because I do. I mean, I'm drinking even when you don't tell me to. <sighs> so my number three is not going to come at any surprise to anyone who's listened to many of the episodes of our podcast. Um, the Office. So this is the second of three. So I said I have three on my list that were American remakes of shows that were created in other countries. So the American version of the office, um, was a remake of a UK show also called the office. And actually season one does a pretty good job of following, um, the original office, the UK version, but then it really kind of goes off from there. So this show was created, uh, by Greg Daniels and Michael Schur, who we talked about when we talked about the good place. And is, in my opinion, one of the best sitcoms of all time. And also kind of made very popular, like the, the mockumentary style um, TV series, right? Where they, uh, yep. they they show like, it's like the single camera type where they, where they have the stuff that's regularly going on, but then they're interviewing cast members. And that's, that's kind of what The Office was all about is it was uh, people that worked for this paper company, Dunder Mifflin, and there was this documentary crew that came in to film them um, for the nine years that it took place in, in the series of the show, and they were then to later release the show, which you see the release of this documentary series um, near the end of the show. Uh, but they were the ones to really kind of popularize that uh, that style, and, and they weren't the first one to do it, but they really made it popular that now you see it in things like Parks and Rec did it, um, Modern Family, which you talked about, which has no relation at all to any of the creators right of the office, but they use well, that Parks same and style. Rec was originally supposed to be a spinoff. It was, yeah, and so that one's not so surprising that they did a similar format. Um, a lot of the same players were involved in the creation, but Modern Family, for example, was not at all right. There's no involvement of any of the creators of the mm. show, but you, you see it a lot now that the style that really kind of picked up. But um, everybody knows if if this is your first time listening to this podcast. Um, you're learning now, but everybody who has listened to this podcast knows that I'm a big, big fan of the office. I think that the main staff was, or the main cast was wonderful. Um, you've got Steve Carell, 
who this was really his big claim to fame and he'd been in some stuff, but this is what really elevated his career um, to what it is today, playing the main character in the, in the first part of the series, at least. He Michael was Scott. Brick Tamlin. He was Brick Tamlin. You're right. And I and I will say he's played other things that he did very, very well. And Brick Tamlin is actually one of my favorite characters Steve Carell's ever done. Um, and my favorite in the Anchorman show for, movie for sure. But I, I like Paul there's Rudd. no denying that this is what elevated his career to the yeah, level of success true. he is in today. It is funny because now I view him as Michael Scott. But when Michael Scott first came out, I viewed him. I was like, oh, that's Brick. That's oh my god! I love Anchorman. Brick Tamlin's one of my favorite characters. On that. He is hands down my favorite character on that show. But he's also still kind of dumb, and he plays that character in The Office too. You know where he doesn't quite make some of the logical connections that you would think somebody, especially in a position like his, would yeah. be. But um, also a lot of great, um, great actors. John Krasinski, um, of course, Rain Wilson, Jenna Fisher, B.J. Novak, who was a producer of the show as well. Um, just phenomenal Min- acting. Mindy in Kaling, who was one of the writers. Mindy Kaling. You know what? And actually, you talk about some of the writers. So a lot of the writers um, actually became some of the on-air talent. So Mindy Kaling was one of the writers. Yeah. B.J. Novak was a producer and writer as well. Um, the guy who plays Toby, and I can't remember his name here off the top we'll of my head. We'll cut that out because, you know, he's not a part of his own family. So why should he be a part of the podcast? <laughs> Oh, poor Toby. But he, he was also one of the writers as well. Phyllis Smith, who plays um, Philip Phyllis Lappin Vance. She was uh, uh, one of the writers as well. So or the casting director, maybe. But um, a lot of the characters, in fact, Moe's Michael Shore comes in and plays Moe's. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago where he was never intended. He was he was acting as a stand in for Moe's, but was just so hilarious that they ended up keeping him and cast him as that role. But um, they also did a great job with a lot of like the, the back end staff coming up and, and being on the show, you know, because they would fill in these stand ins. They did so well. But, um, you know, later in the series, you see other big name actors come in like James Spader was in it for a while. Um, Ed Helms, of course, uh, which, yeah. which you'd recognize from the hangover movies, Ellie Kemper, who now has her own show on Netflix, which is phenomenal and breakable Kimmy Schmidt. She doesn't have that anymore. No, she doesn't, but they did just release an interactive Netflix movie where it's one of those where you can control the decisions that take place on screen to kind of write your own ending, um, based on the, on the, the series. So that was actually pretty good. I just recently went through it. That's so good. Oh, anyway, I think we beat that dead horse a lot. Um, obviously, I love The Office. It'll come up in another future episode, I'm sure. Um, but, Greg, why don't we take a drink and see what your number three is? Da boys. Da boys. Da boys. The bear. Sorry, I fucked you up. Sorry. The boys. The boys is a. Amazon Prime original show. Just starting to get into the the start of it. As um, I brought up, I think he was my number three or four on my villains list. Uh, the Homelander is the villain from this show. This is absolutely bingeable show. I've I've probably watched this more than any other show with one season. Um, I I just keep rewatching it. The first episode. Um, so unfortunately, they're switching over to the weekly version, but the first episode of season two airs September fourth. It's already been even before it's aired; they've already green greenlit uh, a third season. It's so 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 good. It is about a bunch of 
badasses who are bringing down basically a knockoff Justice League. So it's not in the DC world, but it actually is kind of a spinoff of a company like the book, the, the actual comic series, which was written by Garth Enos and Derek Robertson. Originally started with them going in DC, and then they went to uh, a different company that I believe is actually owned by DC, like a subsidiary, or they have relations with them. Um, and they were they basically made this parody of them, but there's this guy called the Homelander, and he's like basically... A Star Spangled, Superman, there's a Wonder Woman, a Batman, a Flash, an Aquaman, and he's like a butt of a lot of jokes. Like they go, oh, go fuck Shamu's blowhole. Like they, t- <laughs> they tell him oh. that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a douchebag too, so he can go fuck off. But then they, they're, they're kind of trying to make him more a bit tragic and sad. Um, but it's in this world where the corporate, this corporation, one corporation, controls all superheroes. All of them. And uh, this girl, uh, she is called Starlight, and she becomes a superhero. And she's like a down to earth, like from like Missouri or somewhere, like very rural. And she's like a sweetheart, like a like she's a hometown sweetheart type of girl. And she goes to New York, and you know it's overwhelming, and basically finds out these people are all a bunch of fucking egotistical assholes and like one of the first things they do is they start pissing about uh how their stocks down three points or their films aren't doing as good and then um there's one guy who he is in love with this girl and from the get-go it's like a few minutes in the flash guy runs through her He's holding her hands and she's he's standing on the sidewalk. She's standing in the street in New York and she just explodes and he's left holding her hands. And the flash goes, ah, I can't stop. I can't stop. And runs away and he's just covered in blood. And there's just her bones and, and viscera everywhere. And this guy, Billy Butcher, uh, amazingly played by Carl Urban, amazingly played by Carl Urban. But he comes in, he's like, hey, we're the ones who spank the superheroes when they go wrong. And so they take down these superheroes, or at least they take down one of them. Watch the trailer. Just do season one trailer, and there's like a Spice Girls twist to it. And even that is badass. It's funny. It's (laughs) well-timed. I don't think any show has ever nailed it like this show has. And I read the comic. I read what the first season is based on. And there are some great things in the comic that aren't in the the first season of um, the show. But the thing is, the comic just is a little too smug and a little too, like, circle jerky. This show is so fucking good. I love this show. And I would say out of all the shows, I would recommend this one the most. But the next two are more bingeable. Interesting. I We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I still haven't seen it. But... I want to, not only because your great stellar recommendation there, God, you deserve to be on the show after that. I mean, even my mom, who's not a comic booky superhero person, has told me, Ryan, you should watch this. Like, even she's given me that recommendation. That's not her style. Um, so when you start here, you know, I, I took it to be, oh, this is going to be another comic booky, you know what I mean, superhero kind of thing, which I'm not. It's a big the opposite, into. I think. And that's it's what I hear. I mean, that's what I hear because I've had other people mention it to me, too. Like, you don't have to like comic books and superheroes to want to watch this. And it's kind of got its own thing. So I, I do. I, I have it on my list. Um, I I probably will be starting it very, very soon. <laughs> so let's move on to your number two and take a drink. 
This is my third on my list. Uh, that is an American remake of a, another country show. And actually, this was an, an Australian show originally. Ooh. Wilfred. Oh, God, Wilfred. Phenomenal, phenomenal show. Um, so let me give a little bit of background on Wilfred. Wilfred was um, four seasons long um, back in 2011 to 2014, and it starred Elijah Wood um, and the series co-creator Jason Gann, who also was the creator of the original Australian version. So a little background on the show. So it basically follows the main character, um, whose name was Ryan, also Elijah Wood. And at the very first episode, he's just fed up with his life. He's done. He's he, he wants to commit suicide. So he's taken a bunch of prescription pills in an attempt to kill himself. Um, but his neighbor then comes and knocks on the door and asks if he would look over her dog while she has to go out and do whatever. Um, but he doesn't see a dog. He sees a grown man in a dog's costume. Um, also, his neighbor is super hot. Also, his neighbor's super hot. Right. Um, but instead of just seeing a dog, Wilfred, he sees, um, a grown man in a, a not convincing at all, like a cheesy Halloween dog costume, but nobody <laughs> else sees him in this way. Um, and he ends up just becoming best friends with this dog. Now, um, let me give you a little more background, even further back from this series. So in the Australian version of the show, um, Jason Gann, who was also the creator of that series plays Wilfred in that as well. Same dog costume. Um, same character, but it's a completely different premise. It's not because, uh, you know, this guy who may be a little off takes the medicine. Um, it, it's about this guy who's interested in getting this relationship with a girl and it's her dog. Um, and he sees the dog, um, as a grown man in the suit, who's like trying to decide if he'd be a good suitor for the girl. And it's, a, it's great actually, if you have the opportunity to see it, but the American version is completely different, but it's really cool to see like the creator of the show who made it different for American television. Um, reprised his role even though it was going to be so different uh because he plays it so well um so there's some comedy elements to it for sure i mean it's funny um but it also dives into like uh potentially mental illness like i mean there's even the question of um is elijah wood's character just crazy right um that he sees this dog or is there some supernatural element to it because he does attempt suicide with pills and so it does make him question his own sanity so yeah, there is does. that element and that's right. all first episode uh-huh and then well and then even as it goes on there's eventually a supernatural element where he starts doing some research and he finds like this tribe of people that worship dog like people with that dress up as dogs for these like rituals and this and that so you start to think and i love shows that do this let me tell you i love shows that leave it open to your interpretation of um is the main character crazy think shutter island for example this is a movie that was a Ooh, good movie that was a really good movie. i loved I haven't it. seen that in a hot minute. and it leaves you and then that one um i'm, I'm going to spoil shutter island for everyone who's seen it at the end it turns out that the main character is just fucking nuts but like i love the movies that introduce this idea and this is a tv series of suspense and it lasted four seasons of is the main character just crazy or is there a supernatural element to this because in the world of tv and movie you can do either one right um all the way through the end and i'm not going to ruin how it ends because they do kind of wrap it up and make that decision for you but the whole time um you're, you're not sure quite what's going on but this also becomes kind of his best friend and that's the comedy part of it like his best friend is a dog that he sees as a person in a dog suit they smoke weed together actually wilford smokes a shit ton of weed like you'll see him hitting a bong yeah. and shit um they get themselves into goofy situations the whole time elijah wood's character is, is interested in the neighbor you know trying to get with her um it's funny and i have a funny story about the first time i saw it 
that I want to share too. So the first time I saw it, I was in college at Illinois State University and I went over to a buddy's house. He was going to have a party that night, uh, but this was hours before the party. You know, you just come over, everybody's hanging out and um, these friends were big pot smokers. And at the time I didn't smoke any weed at all, but I went over there and I was hanging out and they were watching Wilfred and they were part way into it. You know, at this, this point. wasn't me, was it? No, it wasn't you. No, <laughs> it wasn't you. Uh, but these guys were watching Wilfred and I had never seen it before. And they're all stoned out of their minds and I'm fucking stone cold sober. Right. I hadn't drank anything. I wasn't smoke. I never smoked weed all the time <laughs> and they're laughing their ass off. And what I see is a grown man in a dog costume talking to Elijah Wood and I don't understand any of the backstory and I'm watching this I'm like you guys are fucking stupid like this show's not funny and I didn't even give it a chance for years because that was my experience with like oh you must have to be really high to like this stupid show but let me tell you it's a phenomenal show as you move down I finally gave it a chance years later binged it loved it Um, I recommended it to many people who went on to watch it loved it um, there is such a good combination of comedy cause there's just some goofy elements to it. Um, you know, the, the, the mystery of, is he just crazy? Is there some kind of supernatural element? There's great drama. There's a love story in it. I, this is one of my favorite shows I've ever, ever seen. I think it ended very well after only four seasons. And if you haven't seen Wilfred yet, I absolutely recommend it. Now I, I really like that show. That was one of the few shows that I I can say I I I got started on the first season. I, I the first episode came out and I remember seeing the premise for it and I was like this looks pretty good and I went and I watched it and I loved it and I I kept up with it for the first uh, season and a half. Um, then it was my final year in college and of course things get busy and I wasn't able to keep up with it. Very very good uh, show. Uh, but one of the things that I really enjoyed was because uh, I did know. Uh, I did know that it was the original creator and the uh, original dog. But what made it so much funnier was it's now a guy with an Australian accent right. as the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, it just it just made it so much more off-putting, which made it so much weirder, which made it so much better. It, it just it, it was so good. It was very funny, very and not very dark. Some dark though. There was some dark to it. Yeah. Yeah, but it was very funny show, very silly, and I did enjoy it. Ooh, let's move on. Take a big old drink and move on to your number two, Greg, because I think we uh, we've been going on this one for a while. So <laughs> let's move on. Oh, okay. I bet I know like, what it is. Pornhub. Pornhub. I was thinking it was going to be X Hamster, but same genre. I mean, that's. that's <laughs> Tiger King, murder, oh. <laughs> mayhem, and madness. Oh, yes. So much. <laughs> now, it follows Joseph Allen Moldonado Passage, a.k.a. Joseph Shribogle, a.k.a. Joe Exotic, along with other tiger enthusiasts, such as Kevin Antle, a.k.a. Bhagavan Antle, a.k.a. Doc Antle, and that bitch Carol Baskin. Carol fucking Baskin. <laughs> Basically, uh, people who own tigers are apparently fucking nuts. And these are people who are fucking nuts and they own tigers and they all have their own cults. Like one of them, he just finds people at bus stations, gets them hooked on meth, has gay sex with them despite them being straight and he, 
he's gay, but uh, and that's in like Oklahoma, and then he's in a three-way marriage, and then there's another guy who just gets these young women who he lures by saying they're taking care of cats and they're doing good, and then he <laughs> buys them breast implants, and then there's the woman who murdered her husband, like <laughs> absolutely murdered her husband. By the oh, way, oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but like, they're crazy. Um, but it came out this year, and it's only going to be one season. And um, I kind of uh, jumped around because this could be a show and it could be a miniseries. And I feel like all miniseries are binge-worthy because you can do it so quickly. But this one is like still like nine hours or some shit like that. It's it's very long. Um, they had a, a later episode come out with Joe McHale. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be the version of Blackfish for big cats and black fish is about uh, showing the cruelty that happens to killer whales in captivity and orcas. And uh, this was meant to show it. And it really kind of did. Uh, there's been so much fanfare about this that obviously they had the a later episode come out with Joe McHale that happened in quarantine. There's been several spinoffs. I mean, there's there's murder, there's killing plots, there's suicide. One guy is getting interviewed in a tub. This is an honest-to-God documentary, and this motherfucker's in a tub. And another guy just never wears a shirt. Half of them are missing teeth because of meth. It's so fucking ridiculous. It is It's one of those, the truth is stranger than fiction. Let me tell you why I think Tiger King was such a huge success, because I loved it too. Um, <laughs> one... Because exactly what you just said, that you couldn't make this shit up. Like, it's so absurd that you would think you were watching a comedy. You know what I mean? Like, someone making fun yeah. of oh, a documentary yeah. series. Because And these are real people, and it's so absurd. Um, and actually, you kind of get to see, um, like with Joel McHale, when he did his interview of some of the, the characters who have not been jailed since then... Um, <laughs> You see that some of them are still equally absurd. Some of them maybe were made out to be a certain way for television, which happens. But I think the primary reason this was so successful was the timing. This is right when the world went under quarantine from COVID-19 and it dropped and it blew up because everybody now was at home. And I think they just got lucky with the timing. Obviously, you can't plan that, right? You can't like know a global pandemic I'm going to disagree. And I, uh, the only reason I disagree is because of my next one. But sorry, go on. I think the timing, the timing helped, but I don't think it made it. I think it would have been big anyway. I mean, just to go on record, uh, one of the main characters in it is someone else who was a producer who was from like 60 Minutes or some shit like that who was already who had already attempted to make a show before he lost all his footage. True, and actually so, they cover that in the in the show too. Yes, um, but so it, other people know that it was going to be uh, interesting. But go on. No, I mean, and, and so it was that point, but and, and then also that, like you mentioned, this this idea of a miniseries, those are super hot right now, right? Where instead of just making like a two-hour, three-hour-long movie, you break them into like 45-minute segments, and you can do a six- or eight-piece. You know what I mean? So like you can cover five yeah. hours of content yeah. to nine hours of content. Um 
but it feels very um, quick. You know what I mean? Like a 45 minute window feels longer to be over and move on to the next part of the miniseries than like mm. watching a two and a half or three hour long movie. Um, and that's what makes it binge worthy is that format too. Like you get through and those 45 minutes seem to fly by and you're like, shit, dude, it's the next one already. And next thing you know, you know, it's like we were saying earlier, now it's three o'clock in the morning because you watch six in a row, <laughs> you know, and just kind of fly by. So <laughs> I think I think the 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 format of it, um, the absurdity of it that was all based on true events may be um, done up in a certain way, right, to make it seem um, more extreme or different than it possibly was. But these were real people being real interviewed. But, you know, you can cut any things the way you want. Um, plus, I, the timing, I think, just blew it up to be some huge success. And I loved it, too. I very much loved it. And if you haven't seen it, watch it because it's Every episode, you're like, it's a ride. You're like, what? Like every time something new happens, you're like, are you fucking? Get, how did this get more extreme? Like everything that goes on, you're like, really? I didn't know how this could go, and then it switches directions again, and you're like, holy fuck! Oh god, it's such a good show. I, I I've seen that multiple times. Um, but yeah, it's great. But let's take a drink and move <laughs> on to your. Coveted number oh one. Oh my god, number one. I'm gonna take a big drink for this one. My number one is Glee. Boo! I'm just kidding. Boo. It's absolutely not Glee, but it is from the creators of Glee, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. American Horror Story. American Horror Story um, is basically uh, a horror television series. And what's so cool about these is every season they decide to focus on one particular like genre of horror. So like the first one, it's an anthology. It is. It's absolutely an anthology. Um, the first season they, they focus on what's called murder house and there's ghosts. Um, the second season. Um, and, and sometimes I get the seasons mixed up, but I think it's like takes place with demons in like a, um, like a Catholic um, church area. And then there's like a freak show episode or a freak show, uh, uh, season. And then there's like, a um, like your slasher season, you know, the, the 1984 series. And, um, there's it, it, anyway, it just, it, it goes across all spectrums, right? There's vampire season that stars lady Gaga, but you find witches. There was another one that was good. Season three was coven. That was witches. That was great. But you see, as the series goes on, they, they start connecting it to each other in ways too. Just little things here or there where, like, you'll see a single character, you know, who is, like, a primary character or a main character in one of the seasons come through and play a very small role or have a cameo that you no one expects in another season. It's super cool, though, because they have, like, a central cast um, that will play different roles um, in the different seasons, right? So, like, Evan Peters, for example... Mm -hmm. Um, plays um, a ghost in the first season and goes on to be um, like uh, a serial killer in a later season and goes on to be um, like uh, uh, the the person who runs the freak show in another season. Like it, it's super a lobster cool. man. Yeah, a lobster man. Yeah. Which that's also a very, very, very interesting person to look at. He was a murderer in a freak show with only two fingers in each hand known as the lobster man. Very, uh, look him up. But for those who don't know him, he was, uh, the actor who played the lobster man in, uh, American horror story freak show, uh, was Quicksilver, not in the MCU, but in the X-Men universe. Oh, just 
Fun also fact. played uh, Michael Scott's nephew in an episode of The Office too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh shit! Uh, but and then Sarah Paulson, of course, phenomenal, phenomenal actress, plays a role in most seasons. Um, it's just there are there. Are, it's really cool because the actors all play like they they play completely different roles. But you find as the series goes on that they um, are connected in some ways, and you see these little pieces that they're connected. So um, I. I can't recommend the series more. You know, I'm a big horror guy. It's shown up in multiple times in our different podcasts that I, I very much, especially like that classic eighties horror. And these guys do a really great job. Um, so they're no, they're no strangers to television. I mean, they've been involved in very uh, many, very wildly successful TV shows, but this is by far my favorite. Um, but they also, and we talked about this a little bit when I mentioned Supernatural, they do a very good job of sticking true uh, to the origin stories for some of these. So like when they were doing the vampire season, which was the hotel season that was uh, featuring Lady Gaga, who, by the way, was a phenomenal actress in this, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, I like her. I like her, too. I think she's a great musician. I think she's a good person. Um, you know, she, she gets accolades for her involvement, um, as like a supporter in the LGBTQ community. Um, she makes great music and she's also a phenomenal actress. We find out from something like that. That's awesome. That's yeah. really good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I know. Well, and, and then, so you see her in there, but they like even tied back to like stories of Nosferatu, you know, like some of the original, oh, like oldest classic. vampire stories. And they are very consistent with this where they'll pull in, um, historical things like Roanoke. I mean, they tell, they use the story of the, the people of Roanoke who just like basically disappeared overnight. You probably heard about Roanoke Island. Well, they didn't disappear overnight. So what happened with Roanoke in real life, um, essentially this guy went out and, um, he went, this is during the colonization of America. And, uh, they, there was a settlement and then he wound up going back to England and then coming back and uh, by the time he reached there, uh, everyone was gone. And there's plenty of superstitious beliefs from ghosts and aliens. But most likely what happened is they were either all killed um, by the local Native American population or uh, they intermixed with them. So. But what's funny about that is so they're able to take like the mystery that's behind that story. And right, of course, obviously, it's a very cool really, mystery. It, it is, is a cool very mystery. Cool. And then, then they can expand on to make it into a TV series, you know, and, and they do a very good job of doing their research. So when they're going to do things like vampires, they're true to the roots of it. You know what I mean? Like when they're going to do things like ghosts, they're true to the roots of it. So um, they put a lot of thought into these and I, I love them all. I love them all as their own because you can watch each season as a standalone show on that, right? Like the Coven season, which is about witches, you could watch this as a standalone. But if you watch all of them together, like in the most recently aired one, um, some of the witches from there come in. So it all takes place in the same universe, even though some of the same actresses will play um, characters, same actors and actresses will play characters, you know, on across seasons and they'll be in the same now when they bring them together. I just, I, I love the way that they do it. It's very well thought out because in season one, they were even forward thinking several seasons later, right? How is this going to tie mm -hmm. in down the road in, in, in a season that's seemingly unrelated, but they're able to tie it back and you can tell that it was forward thinking. So um, if you're a fan of horror, and you're willing to go deep because there's a lot to this. Um, you can watch it on the surface level and you're going to enjoy it. Uh, but if you're willing to go deep, this is the one for you, especially if you're a big fan 
um, of true events that, you know, have mysteries like that one, or even just like classic horror fans. And you want to see a new interpretation on how you can spin onto that. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal series to watch. Um, and I recommend yeah. it. So I, I've seen the first season uh, with Dylan McDermott, who, uh, I mean, just the first season is amazing. Uh, but one of the things, so I haven't seen anything beyond that, um, with the exception of part of Freak Show. I've seen a, a good chunk of Freak Show, um, which was pretty good from what I've seen. But one of the things that it does well, it is one of the few anthologies that manages to be good season after season. I agree. Um Obviously, True Detective had one of the best first seasons of all time. Season two just wasn't good. I haven't seen season three. I've heard decent things about it. I heard it's enjoyable and it's good, but I've heard nothing holds up. But season one is also, in my opinion, one of the greatest shows, uh, greatest like seasons of TV of all time. And I would, I almost put that as its own, but I felt like the show itself isn't binge worthy. But that first season is probably the best season of all time. If you have access to it, I would say watch that over the boys. Can we move on to my number one? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to let you go getting lost in your own thoughts. But uh, <laughs> I could talk about American Horror Story. Here's one one more thing I'll say because you did just mention that you've seen season one. You've seen part of season two. Um, I want to stress what's so unique about this show. Freak Show is season two? Freak show. I thought it was like maybe I. You know, I, I, I get confused like four about which ones are the seasons because, and and this actually just reinforces the point I'm about to make that each season of the show can stand independent of each other. Like truly, they're designed that way. So each season has its background, it has its beginning, um, it has its climax, and it has its end. Where it's okay if you've never seen another season of the show, um, you're gonna get some cool connections to buy in for the fans that have been there a long time. But you don't need to watch the previous ones. And they do that intentionally. Like each one is truly um, a self-contained miniseries. And they can be that way. So um, that's that's where it's very unique in that way that it's connected. Um, but they put the thought as if it's uh, a separate show into every season. I suppose at this point you all want to hear my number one. Not you know really. what? Not really. <laughs> I'm going to indulge you because I spoil you all. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. The most bingeable show of all time. Yeah, I bet. Making a Murderer. Ooh, okay, 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 okay. Now, this was a documentary that took like 10 years to make, at least season one. Uh, the show tells the story of Stephen Avery, uh, who is from Manitowoc County in the Devil State of Wisconsin. He served 18 years in prison for the wrongful conviction of sexual assault and attempted murder of Penny Bernstein. Later, he was charged and convicted for the murder of Teresa Halbach. His nephew, Brendan Dassey, is also considered an, an accessory for the murder. Um, basically, this happened like beforehand, like before he actually got like convicted. So it starts out and they're interviewing him outside of prison. Later, it's all done by phone. It's one of those where it's just done really well, where they were just in the right place at the right time for a documentary to happen. They were kind of interviewing someone about the wrongful conviction. 
all of a sudden he's arrested for a real conviction and it's like oh fuck what's happening and there's intrigue where the the police who uh were just totally after him and they they do some things just to to coerce him maybe fake some evidence it's just crazy everything happens and then you have to be decide you have to decide did he do it or not both of them were clearly in the wrong with what happened both him and the cops and you have to make up your mind so you see evil on both sides but it's such a good show that was one of those shows that came out everyone talked about it the one thing that did that so maybe it does go to timing because it did come out during like christmas break i want to say um where even business people added off but we all watched it but it wasn't like a quarantine plenty of people watched it during working hours i remember talking about it all the time it was phenomenal they had a second season that actually happened uh quite a bit in chicago um and it was actually kind of funny because they were clearly just trying to get a shot of an interview at one point where they're interviewing a lawyer and uh she's driving down lakeshore drive she pulls into an off-ramp goes underneath uh, Lake Shore pulls back up and then starts going the opposite direction on Lakeshore Drive, where she was clearly just driving while interviewing, and they were like, just drive back and forth on Lakeshore Drive. So one side we can get the city, and the other side we can get the, the lake. Uh, but, I mean, absolutely, it's the most binge-worthy show because you get pretty much everything going um, with it, but intrigue, murder, scandal, everything... I, I think I was absolutely fucking glued to my seat. Like, I just, I could not tear my eyes away from the screen. That is hands down what got me into this current kick that I'm on for watching these true crime murder docu miniseries that I'm into. Was that one? And I'm glad you stopped me earlier before I went too far into it. Um, was it going to be this one? No, no. This this is the one that turned me on to it, though. Hands down. That got me interested in that. Because I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm typically not a big documentary guy. Like, I'll watch them if they're big, groundbreaking ones. But in general, I haven't liked that. But you put it in a miniseries like that, and this one is the one that turned me on to it. Um, since then, I mean, I've gone on to watch many. And the one I'm watching right now um, is The Staircase which is actually older. I think it's from like 2004, um, but kind of the same idea that you're following, you know, basically the, 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 the court, you know, of this and, and the conviction and, and sometimes the aftermath, the confession tapes was another really good one too. And uh, unbelievable was another one and unbelievable. Was not like a direct um, in the same way where like they're showing the real people, you know what I mean? I mean, serious. It was more like a, um, a dramatic retelling of it because it, you know, they had some real actors and actresses in it, but making a murderer is, is the one that absolutely turned me onto that genre, even though I was not, that was not really my style before. So I got to give credit to it in that. And I agree with you. You're going to be amazed by the twists and turns. And just knowing that this was real shit that took place makes it even more extreme. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a story somebody made up. It's, it's just so good. It's just everything that happens is real and it's caught and it just, I couldn't take my eyes away. I, I specifically remember like starting it like on a Friday night and just going until like four in the morning. It was so good. Oh man, Greg, what a great list we had this time. I, I love this one. I love this one. I've got some new shows on my list. 
that now I'm looking forward to watching, which have already come up. You know, I'm already building my list, but this one especially. Yeah, I'm golden. Uh, nothing really came up that made me really yeah, want to watch it. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Um, but I think as we move into some of our closing thoughts, um, one of the things that I just want to share is um, just a huge thanks to everybody um, who has been, you know, reaching out to us and giving us suggestions for episodes, um, who's been sharing this, uh, especially in this last couple of weeks. Um, we're getting more and more new listeners all the time. We just introduce a new country <laughs> into the mix. So we got people all over the world for some reason that are listening to our bullshit podcast. And, and just uh, th- we got to thank our listeners for that. Um, those of you who are sharing it with your friends, thank you so much. We, we love all the suggestions you have and as you're sharing things. Um, that's that's why we keep doing it. We have a lot of fun doing it, but we like love to know that other people have fun listening to it, too. There is actually one listener I do want to reach out to specifically. Uh-oh. Um, we have a listener in Ireland. I'm pretty sure it's one listener who is listening to us. And it shows up in our statistics because, you know, it's it breaks down by countries. Like, at least it's from one specific city that we have a very, not a very large... Um, but it shows one person listened to a good chunk of our podcast. And I got to say, thank you. Whoever that is, thank you very much. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Ireland, huh? That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I'm, I am I think they've listened to almost all of our episodes. And right now, that's very, very cool. And I really appreciate that. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you to all of our worldwide friends <laughs> that are listening to our podcast. Ah. So, Ryan, why don't you sign us off? Okay, so with a very heartfelt deuces bruises. Like and follow us on Twitter at Nah. Nah. Deuces bruises. Deuces bruises.